Welcome to the Pre-Match Bulletin, to your final edition of this week's Premiership Radio Podcast. I'm your host Graham, and we're going to be going over the big news going into this weekend's football fixtures. Now keep in mind, although this is coming out on Friday, it was recorded on Thursday night, so something huge might have happened in the intervening time that we'll probably end up missing. If it's something massive, we'll probably go back and record it again, but as it stands, may well be a couple of things we miss, but sadly that's just the nature of the game. Alright, so what are we going to be talking about? Well, we're going to be talking about Michael Dawson's uh, injury, which is going to cost him the rest of his season at Tottenham. Although he could be back for the England Internationals, we'll be looking into that. We're going to Rangers again, breaking the conventions of the Premiership Radio podcast by going to Scotland once more. Um, But we're going to be talking about Craig White again. Apparently he's not a fit and proper person. Steve Bruce is disappointed by the job target at Wolves. And we've also got Lucas Podolski, who has agreed to sign for Arsenal. Speaking of new signings, um, Tim Howard and Ryan Taylor have all signed new deals for their respective clubs. All that and much more will be discussed in this first edition of the Pre-Match Bulletins. And we'll begin, as we began, at White Hart Lane. Tottenham's Michael Dawson has been ruled out for 10 to 12 weeks after rupturing a ligament in his right ankle in the FA Cup win over Stevenage. The defender will be sidelined until after Spurs' final league match of the season against Aston Villa on the 13th of May. He could, however, return for the first of England's two pre-Euro 2012 friendlies against Norway in Oslo on May the 26th. England side, who are still without a permanent coach, have to announce their 23-man squad for the tournament before the 29th of May. Darren Bent has another major doubt to make the trip to Poland and Ukraine after suffering an ankle ligaments injury of his own in February. Dawson's teammate Aaron Lennon, who was also forced off of a hamstring injury in the first half of that tie, um, which has set up a quarter-final tie for Tottenham against Bolton. Harry Redknapp said every time he plays he seems to do his hamstring. Redknapp was more positive though about Jermaine Defoe's chances of making the England squad in the summer after his two well-taken goals. He said, it's good to see Jermaine back scoring. He's a good finisher and a good player. He must have a chance of an international recall. That's a problem area for England. There's a shortage of top strikers and Jermaine is up there with the best of them when he is sharp and on form. And he's looking very sharp at the moment. I've been delighted with him. Well, obviously, it's a disappointment to see Michael Dawson uh, going down to an injury like that that's going to cost him the rest of the season. Um, Best of luck in his recovery and hopefully we'll see him stepping out for England. Alright, well, from England, we're going to Scotland. Rangers' Craig White's not a fit and proper person, according to the Scottish FA. Rangers' Quake... Quake... <laughs> Quagar! Red Dwarf fans will know what I was talking about there. Rangers' Craig White has been deemed not a fit and proper person to own a football club following an independent inquiry by Lord William Nimmo Smith. The club is also facing a charge of bringing the game into disrepute, the Scottish FA Chief Executive Stuart Reagan has announced. Rangers also face disciplinary action unless they pay money due to Dundee United for a Scottish, top, for a Scottish Cup tie. Top Kai, what the hell? The club's administrators say they look forward to putting forward their case. Reagan heard the findings at a special board meeting at Hampden on Thursday. A statement by Reagan said... Principally, it is the belief of the board, taking into account the prima facie evidence presented today, that Mr Craig White is not considered to be a fit and proper person to hold a position within association football. We will be writing to Mr White in relation to these findings and shall seek a response within seven days. The report, submitted by Lord Nemo Smith, having been considered fully by the board, highlights a number of other potential rule breaches by the club and its owner. 
The report will now be used as evidence and forwarded to a judicial panel for consideration and determination as per the protocol. Within minutes of the SFA announcement, Paul Clark, Joint Administrator, said, We note the findings and announcement by the SFA. We look forward to taking the club's case to a judicial panel. In broad terms, we believe that they are mitigating factors and we hope to demonstrate the distinction between the club and the actions of any individual. White's takeover of Rangers in May is subject to the Strafe Clyde police investigation as well. Scottish businessman, Scottish businessman, my tongue seems to be failing me once more, uh, <laughs> put Rangers into administration at the Court of Session in Edinburgh on the 14th of May under pressure from Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs for non payments of, of pay as you earn tax and VAT. At the time, the figure owed to uh, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs was thought to be £9 million, but BBC Scotland has since learned that £15 million is a more accurate assessment of the debt. So the problems at Rangers are way more serious than what we initially thought. And again, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Obviously, if you're a Rangers fan, this must be a nightmare scenario, but mm, we can only wait and see how it plays out. Speaking of which, we're at Wolves. Steve Bruce said that Wolves gave him a strong indication that he was going to fill the vacant manager's position before a late change of mind. The 51-year-old was given a second interview and believed the deal would be formalised the following morning, but missed out to Terry Connor. That must have stung. That was the plan, he told Five Lives, Pat Murphy. At one stage it was close, but it wasn't to be. It's their prerogative. After an initial meeting with Chief Executive Jez Moxley and owner Steve Morgan, Bruce was expecting to seal the deal. When I left the conversation on Thursday, by all intents and purposes, it was to have another conversation on the Friday. I said to my good lady I thought I was back to work. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. I'm disappointed. Bruce, who's been without a job since he was sat by Sunderland <laughs> excuse me, in November, added that Connor will find the move from assistant to manager a big step. When Teddy made the first team talk, he would have realised there's nothing like being number one, continued Bruce. As a number two, you don't need to make horrible decisions like leaving players out. Being the manager is lonely. So lonely. So lonely and sadly alone. Yes, I did make that up before anyone says. Um, when you get beat, it's your responsibility. How do you react? When you're one of the bottom sides, you lose more than you win. When Monday morning comes, you have to forget the defeat. Wolves are like Wigan Bolton QPR. If they win 10 games... Sorry, they have to win 10 games. If you don't win 10 games, I don't think you'll stay up. Connor has so far overseen Wolves' 2 all draw at Newcastle and a 5-0 defeat to Fulham at Craven Cottage. So he's off to a flyer. I know I'm going to get some stick from Wolves fans for that one, but... You know, we've got to find some humour in some places. I take the piss out of my own team enough. Anyway, over to the Emirates. Arsenal have agreed the deal to sign Germany striker Lucas Podolski from Cologne, BBC Sports understands. Reports suggest that the Gunners will pay £10.9 million for the 26-year-old on a four-year contract worth £100,000 a week. Podolski will have to pass a medical and agree personal terms before the move can be completed in the summer. Arsenal's peer, Amir Tasaka, said he has sent me a number of text messages and I've told them that it's a great place to work and Arsenal and an amazing club. The pair have played together for Germany since 2004 and now look set to join forces at club level. Cologne boss, Steyl Solbakken, I know I've pronounced that long but I apologise, admitted last month he could lose Podolski to Arsenal and the transfer is now at an advanced stage. 
The Poland-born forward, whose contract expires in the summer of 2013, started his career with Cologne and joined Bayern Munich in 2006 before returning to his first club in 2009. He played for Germany at the 2004 and 2008 European Championships, as well as the 2006 and 2010 World Cups. Podolski scored three goals to help his country qualify for Euro 2012 and has scored 16 in 22 club games this season. Um, Locomotive Moscow and Anzi Makakala were also understood to be pursuing, pursuing Podolsky, but he recently stated that money was not his prime concern. What is crucial is the development of my game. Money is not the most important thing to me, he told German newspaper Sport Build. Cologne currently sit 14th in Bundesliga, with Podolsky having scored more goals than any of his teammates put together. It's about time um, Arsene Wenger, you know, put his money in his pocket and actually spent some of that uh, cash that Arsenal have. Ugh, what we ever would give for that kind of money. Well, anyway. All clubs in the SBL, excluding Rangers and Celtic, will meet next week to discuss radical changes to Scottish football. Yes, we're back in Scotland again, but come on, this is important stuff. With Rangers and administration facing going out of business, the clubs will discuss the voting structure. They will also consider the distribution of income and the possibility of a 10-club second tier. One SPL chairman told BBC Scotland this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to change things. The 10 non-old firm SPL clubs have long been unhappy with the distribution of income as it favours Rangers and Celtic, and also disliking the 11-on-1 majority requirements on major issues that they believe allows those two clubs to dictate change. An SPL 2 has also long been muted, and in 2007-30, Scottish Football League clubs voted 22-8 to reject talks about forming a second tier of the SPL. So, we may well be seeing some very big changes in Scotland. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, from Scotland, back down to London, where Stamford Bridge. John Terry feels that Chelsea stars must share the blame for Andre Villas-Boas' exit. Um. I think the players should hold their hands up and say clearly we've not been good enough and we've all made mistakes, he told Chelsea TV. Sad for Andre because unfortunately it falls on his head. Villas-Boas was sacked and replaced by caretaker boss Roberto Di Matteo after winning one of his final seven matches. Teddy made a surprise return to the Blues squad after knee, in- after knee surgery rather, as an unused sub in Tuesday's 2-0 FA Cup win over Birmingham. The 31-year-old claimed that victory at St Andrews was both a tribute to the departing Villas-Boas and a product of Di Matteo and assistant Eddie Newton's affinity with the club. We dug deep for him, for Robbie as well taking charge, Eddie coming in as well, added Teddy. We've done enough talking amongst ourselves over the last three or four months. Robbie came in and said those exact things as well. He's been here, he's played here the same as Eddie, and we need to fight for the shirt. And that was the message to the lads. It's about time that, you know, some of the big sides like this actually got down to, you know, playing for pride, playing the honour of, you know, playing for the team. A lot of that seems to be absent from some of the top flight club these clubs these days, especially, you know, with all the big money going around. So, just that kind of grit and determination and, you know, the desire to play for your team really does need to be recaptured in the game, I think. So, good to see that um, it's happening at Chelsea. Anyway, now we're going to... Um, Birmingham with Aston Villa. Gabriel Bonglahor says fans' hostility towards Alex McLeish is affecting the players. Bonglahor said the supporters need to get behind them, who moved from Villa Park, who moved to Villa Park rather from rivals Birmingham City in the summer. 
It does have an impact on the players and it does affect them when fans are not backing the manager and not turning up to games. Villa are currently 15th in the Premier League table. Bangalore added, the fans are entitled to their opinions but the chairman has made a choice in bringing the manager here and everyone has got to get behind him. I think it affects the players otherwise. You only have to look at the situation at Blackburn where Steve Keane has been getting a lot of abuse. In previous years the fans have got behind the team no matter what and that helps the players. If they really get behind the team and the players it gives everyone a lift. McLeish said he had the experience to handle supporters' criticism after his men were booed off the pitch following the goal of straw at Wigan on the 25th of February. It was amongst a series of hostile incidents from fans since he took over. Villa have drawn or lost their previous five Premier League matches, leaving them with 30 points after 27 games. Protesters against McLeish began even before his appointment as Villa manager. About a thousand supporters demonstrated at Villa Park against Randy Lane's decision to push through a move to get him. I don't really agree with the, um, you know, fans should do this and that. They're paying, you know, a shitload of money, excuse the language, to get in to watch their team. They shouldn't be told, you know, this is how you should react. I mean, I can understand, like, team unity and whatnot, but it's down to the team at the end of the day to get that unity. They shouldn't be, you know, just doing this. Anyway, we're going to finish off on some happy news for a couple of clubs. First one being Newcastle. Um, Ryan Taylor has signed with Newcastle until 2015. Um, the utility man, who's made 72 appearances for the Magpies since joining from Wigan in 2009. She can play in defence or midfield. Taylor said, I'm over the moon. It's been a quiet one to get done and didn't take long. I stated not long ago that I would love to stay here. Captain Fabrico Colaccini and keeper Tim Kroll recently signed new deals as well. Meanwhile, striker Peter London Cran's season could be over because of injury. Alright, well that's not happy news, but I didn't see this at the, at the head of the article. Alan Pardew confirmed the Denmark international whose contract expires in the summer may not play again this term because of a fight problem. Alright. Um, but with Fershon on Merseyside, on the blue half of Merseyside. Yay. Tim Howard has signed a new Everton contract, which will keep him at Goodison Park until 2016. The US international has made 256 appearances for the Toffees after joining from Man United in 2006. He told EvertonFC.com, I couldn't be happier. I've had a smile on my face ever since we finalised the deal. Howard famously scored his first professional goal during Everton's 2-1 defeat by Bolton on the 4th of January, when his goal kick was assisted by strong wins. It's the fourth time a goalkeeper had scored in Premier League history. Howard signed permanently with Everton in February of 2007 and the new contract means he is set to spend a decade at Goodison Park. He added, It's a place that's home for me. When you have a really good relationship in life and both sides are eager to continue and keep that going, it's a no-brainer. This hasn't been a knockdown, drawn-out type of negotiation with meetings or anything like that. They were very happy to keep me here and I was very, very happy to stay. I'll just say as a blue that I'm very, very happy to see him stay as well. And for those who are interested in the scoring goalkeepers... They are in order. Peter Schmeichel scored for Aston Villa against Everton in a 3-2 defeat on 20th of October 2001. Second one was Brad Friedel who scored for Blackburn against Charlton in a 3-2 defeat on 21st of February 2004. Paul Robinson for Spurs against Watford in a 3-1 win on the 17th of March 2007. The only goalkeeper to have scored for a winning team in a match. And Tim Howards was um, in the defeat to Bolton on the 4th of January. It was a 2-1 defeat. It was rather depressing to watch. But anyway, that's where we're going to finish the um, pre-match bulletins for this week. 
So all that remains for me to say is thank you very much for listening. Um, we've completed the first week of the Premiership Radio podcast. We hope you've been enjoying what we've been doing so far. We're currently in the process of getting onto iTunes, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, we'll be sorting out contact links as well. We will get us on Facebook and Twitter and the like. And we're going to be promoting ourselves at some point too, so that's all stuff to look out for. But until we get that sorted, thanks very much for those of you who have been uh, brave enough to join us in our maiden week. Um, we hope to get more into the swing of things. Hope to bring you some better stuff as we progress. But until then, thanks for listening. See you next week.